This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to What I Wore When, a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Perry Samitin. Each week, I'm sitting down with a woman I find fascinating to talk about what she wore during a pivotal moment in her life. We're using the power of style to tell the stories you haven't heard. If you're a podcast fan, and I'm going to assume you are, then you probably devoured Broken Hearts last fall, a serialized true crime story about the Hart family that's been downloaded more than 9 million times. The podcast stemmed from an investigative story my colleague Justine Harmon was working on for Glamour, where she was the features director. Now a freelance writer and podcaster, be on the lookout for a very exciting new audio series from her this winter. Justine has also been an editor at Elle and People magazine. I've always found Justine to be a compelling person to talk to. She's someone I describe as no bullshit which is the type of woman I tend to gravitate toward. She's always willing to share a lot of herself publicly, which is what she did when we sat down to record this episode. In January, three weeks after she delivered her daughter, Justine's childhood best friend tragically passed away. Suddenly, she was faced with a dilemma. What to wear to a funeral when you're not only grieving, but also breastfeeding and recovering from a C-section? This week... Justine explains what she wore to her best friend's funeral and why it wasn't as easy as just throwing on a black dress. Here's our conversation. I want to start by asking you what I ask everyone. What are you wearing today? It's a great question. Um, I'm wearing an Ula Johnson schmata. It's red. It has blue and white flowers and some like burgundy stitching down the seams, which I think is pretty cute. And then I'm wearing a pair of Chloe block heels. Um, They're my favorite. They're super comfortable. They're from a few years ago. And I've had to get them refurbished like three or four times at Leather Spa. And for those who don't know Leather Spa, it is a spa for leather goods in New York that can take the most beat up heels and turn them back into what they looked like when you bought them. And uh, I've had to revert them to their original state three or four times. I love them that much. And for those who don't know what a schmata is, (laughs) please define. I think you could probably define it better, Perry. A schmata is probably a Yiddish word, (laughs) a dress. Although I feel like that word also is kind of negative. A schmata is like a sack. Well, it has sack elements, but it's super short. So it's like a hot schmata. Okay. You're wearing a really pretty floral dress is really what you're wearing. Well, okay. Schmata. Schmata. You are going to share a very personal story about what you wore when you lost your best friend. And how long ago is this? This was in January. My best friend from growing up, not so much someone I was day to day in contact with, but someone who just had so much to do with who I was as a person, who I am as a person. Um, she died at the age of 34. I don't want to, I don't want to ex- like explain the nature of the death, but let's just say it was in her sleep and it um, wa- it wasn't really from natural causes. Um, and she'd 
struggled a lot with a variety of substance issues. Explain to me what you wore in the way that you paid your respect to her. So she died in January, I believe it was on the 5th. And on December 11th, um, I welcomed my second child and I had to have a C-section. I had a C-section with my first baby and then it's sort of whole story. But um, so I guess it's less than a month after I'd had the baby. I found out my friend had died um, rather suddenly and I had to, in a matter of days, get down to DC where I'm from and pay my respects to her at the synagogue where we went to Hebrew school for five or six years together. We were always together. Um, Our parents lived kind of blocks away. We went to the same school. We looked alike. We talked alike. We did everything together. But um, I had to figure out what to wear uh, to this funeral. And I was larger than my clothing. And I didn't want to wear my, you know, maternity clothes. It was the middle of winter. Um, I had to figure out what to wear that would make sense, not only for the funeral component, but then there was shiva and a bar thing in between. And on top of it all, I was seeing people from home, people I grew up with, an ex-boyfriend, old friends, old crushes, old teachers, parents of old friends. I wanted to look a certain way. I wanted to look professional and respectful and I wanted to look pretty, which I hadn't felt in quite some time. So picking out what to wear was challenging. And I also didn't want to go buy anything because it wouldn't fit. You know, optimistically, it wouldn't fit in a matter of weeks or months. So I just tried to figure out what to wear from what I had. And I also had to be mindful of the scar in my abdomen, um, which was super tender still being that, I think I was still taking painkillers, to be honest. Um, I also was pumping. So I had to wear something that was pump accessible. So it was a it's quite an equation to figure out what to wear to this. I mean, so many different elements and so many things. So I wore um, a pair of Proenza schooler uh, trousers that I had gotten on Net-A-Porter years ago and that have been, for me, a pair of pants that always look good. Somehow they fit. I mean, it wasn't like a great fit, but I was able to zip them and they're like a nice wool. So they weren't super itchy over the, the scar. And I wore a cropped Victoria Beckham sweater that I've had to, again, get redone because I wear it so often. It's navy and it has a little bit of a peplum shape. It's cropped and it has ivory around the bottom and ivory around the sleeves. I felt good in it. Um, I thought it sort of faked a silhouette I didn't really have at the time. And then I wore um, a pair of Aldo booties um, that are patent, that are super, super comfortable. Um, And they're actually my second pair of those Aldo booties because I've wore them all winter long. And you and I discussed earlier that after you have a baby, or at least I experienced that my feet changed. Um, They hurt, couldn't really wear heels. So these Aldo shoes are comfortable. Um, So all in all, I figured it out. I felt like I looked nice and respectful, but also kind of cute. It was, yeah, it was a hard thing to figure out. Have you ever worn that outfit again? And if so, has the meaning of the outfit changed for you in any way? I haven't worn the sweater again. um, And I probably never will, if I'm being honest. I just am now turned off by it. And that happens to me sometimes. There's a lot of emotional significance, I think, in the clothes that we wear. And when we wear them, you know, love, loss, and what I wore. um, I'll probably give the sweater away. The pants, however, I wore a week later 
on national television when I went on the Dr. Oz show. Um, I wore the same pants. Um, these pants have been with me for five years. They don't mean anything to me other than they're a nice pair of pants. Um, so I'll wear those again. But the sweater, yeah, I think I'm done with it. The day itself was really hard. So the idea of feeling like you look nice to me isn't necessarily a vanity-driven thing. It's more, it's a protective layer. Um, I didn't want to think about what I was wearing. I didn't want to be insecure. I wanted to feel the feelings I was feeling, which were really confusing. I wanted the last thing that I thought about to be what I was wearing. And I think, you know, we all want to feel like that. We want to feel comfortable and like we're present and the things we have in our body can be a hindrance um, to that experience. So once I got the outfit figured out, I didn't give it actually that much thought anymore. I was comfortable enough. I was warm enough. um, And I was appropriately dressed, which is obviously the thing of utmost importance. But the day itself, I mean, it sucked. And it continues to suck. My friend who I loved, who is the reason I even knew what style was. She was the ultimate cool girl growing up. She taught me everything I know about Delia's and Steve Madden. And um, I guess part of me wanted her, I, I don't know. I can't even, I don't really even know how to talk about it, to be honest. But she was there. I could feel her. I hope she thought I looked cute. (laughs) Um, She always did. So, yeah. I understand the sentiment of wanting to look and feel your best even during a trying time and it not being related to vanity because I kind of feel like even in the most miserable circumstance, I think a lot of us can be preoccupied with knowing that we don't look great or feel great. And instead of giving the event or the instance or wherever you are, the respect it deserves, you're stuck thinking about yourself. And you're like, I I don't feel good in the sweater. It's too tight. I feel like my butt looks too big or I'm not. And I, I really think that respecting the way you look yourself in turn can make you respect a situation a lot more. I also think as you get older, you recognize that dress codes aren't just a buzzkill. Um, it's about etiquette and what's appropriate. And I think I've definitely shown up at black tie affairs wearing something that's not appropriate. And I've gone to funerals and maybe not thought about what I was wearing enough. And I I really wanted to be respectful in what I was wearing. And it was a hard thing to pull off in a matter of a few days when nothing fit. So, you know, all of this stuff is really interesting because I wish that a funeral uniform was just a part of our culture. <laughs> like that would be much easier because I don't know that having to think about these things should be something we spend our time doing, but it is. And people show up and they look one way or they look another and you look at them and you see and you make judgments. And so it all is interrelated in a really interesting and kind of complicated way. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. Proenza, Victoria Beckham, those are pretty high-end aspirational designers. Are most of the clothes in your closet designer? No, but I don't have that many clothes. Um, I am a purger. Um, I like to rewear things. I think it's super chic to just have things you like and know you look good in. And if you consider some of the people who we admire most, you know, Anna Wintour, um, I've had the privilege to be in a few meetings with her. She always wears the same necklaces. She always wears the same shoes. I think about what I buy and I think about how I'll wear it. And I don't like to buy things that make me have to buy other things. And it's a long-winded way of saying that, yes, I have a lot of designer clothes, but I also shop at consignment stores and I inherit things from my mom. And when I do buy things, I am really most concerned with fit. Um, And if something fits well, I'll wear it again and again. What are some of the things that you've inherited from your mom? Is she a dresser? Is she a shopper? Uh, She's a monster shopper. And maybe that is what has inspired my resistance to acquiring. Um, She likes to shop for sport. Uh, She finds it relaxing. I find the idea of having too many things stressful. Um, So we're different in that way. But yes, she, she has amazing taste. She is also a little smaller than I am. So it's a constant battle because she wants to give me things that I think she knows won't fit me, which is a different story for a different podcast. But um, she has amazing clothes and really amazing designer clothes, you know, Celine and Oscar de la Renta. And um, she also introduced me to a lot of the labels, the contemporary labels that I think are really great for uniform dressing, like Jenny Kane and um, she likes whistles. So she's all over the map, but she's a quantity gal and I have the privilege of getting her rejects. Now that we're in the podcast studio talking about it, I have rules to whether or not I'll buy something. Do you want to hear them? Of course. What are they? What are your rules? My rules are as follows. One, I ask myself this when I go to buy something. One, is it perfect? Obviously, that is a subjective question and I've bought many things that are not perfect. But if in that moment I look at it and I say, no, it's not perfect. I don't like the way it fits. Then I know I'm not going to buy it. So one, is it perfect? Two, I'm forgetting my own rules. Um, Two, would I take it on a trip? Um, And three, does it make my life easier? I do not buy anything that does not pass those three rules. And I, um, I find that very few things do. When you say make your life easier, I would love you to define that in a way that people will understand because I think what you're saying is it doesn't always have to be, you know, a black top that you grab when you have nothing to wear. Yeah. It can be the floral schmata you're wearing right now. This schmata but how, makes how does that make, like, how does that dress make your life easier? Um, this dress to me bridges a lot of gaps. It is well tailored, um, but casual, so it sort of reads put together, but not too overdone. It also, I'm short, as are you, and I have boobs and a butt, um, and it accommodates both of those things with grace. Um, I think it sort of goes nicely between seasons. It's a summer dress. It's also a fall dress. I haven't yet tried it with tights. I'm sort of thinking I'm not going to do tights anymore. I don't like tights anymore. This dress doesn't wrinkle. This dress 
looks nice with my coloring. All in all, put this dress on. I know I don't look like a slob. So that's making my life easier. So let's say you need a new fall, I don't know, a new fall sweater, a new yeah. pair of jeans, and you do spend your Saturday shopping. Where are you going? What store What store are you walking into? Dude, I don't even know. Um, let's think. Where would I go? I mean, are you a department store gal? Are you, you know, so many people in New York always say, oh, I got it at a little boutique. And I'm always like, yeah. bullshit. Um, I was, but maybe you do shop at boutiques. Maybe maybe people really do exist that shop at boutiques. I've never actually met I one. I used to be, I mean, I would go to Intermix in my 20s. That would be like my jam. Right. I would say now I I really like Neely Lotan. Um, expensive as hell, uh, but beautifully made. I I shop on Adaporte a lot and shop up. Um, I know which silhouettes look good on me. I know which designers make clothes that fit me. Um, I cannot remember the last time I walked around with like a bunch of shopping bags in my hand. I just can't. I mean, growing up when I was a kid, I, I mean, I, I craved shopping. I craved Montgomery Mall, which was my local mall. I would go back and forth between Bay Bay and Arden B and put things on hold and ham and haw over like a top. I would go to Pacific Sun. Uh, I would go to this place called Merry-Go-Round and Contempo Casuals. I mean, I still remember those places like formed me. Going back, going back a little. I mean, listen, I, I, shopped, keep going? I shopped in all of those stores. Contempo Casuals was, I mean, it kind of was my life for yeah, a very long it was time. my identity. And I remember walking in and I remember the racks, how they were circular. And I would mm-hmm. look at every single piece. I would and hide things always underneath piles. Hid. Yep. Come back later. Yep. yep. I still do that. I still do that. I do that. I do That's that. crazy. Um, I just did that during the Zara sale. There was a satin skirt with a big bejeweled buckle, tacky as hell, 80s as hell, and I loved it. And there was one left in the store and I had to get to a meeting. I hid it under a rack, under a pile of sweaters, and it was still there at the end of the day. I've and only I got done it. that in my adult life at a sample sale. I've hid things. Yes. Um, because that. those are feeding frenzies and no one's to be trusted. You talked earlier about when you were going to the funeral of your best friend and the idea of going home. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how, you know, you live in New York now, you're from D.C., very, very different cities, especially in terms of style and the way I think women often present themselves. So I'm curious to know how, when you go home, do you consider what you pack? Do you care? Do you know you're going to be seeing people? Does your style change? in your hometown from your adopted city? It changes a lot. Um, I also, my mom has completely gutted my room. There is not any sort of t-shirt to even sleep in. So yes, she has a lot of clothes, but um, when I'm home, it's not like I can just go through her drawers. She's sort of the docent of her own collection. So also she sleeps in like a nightgown, which is like too put together for me. So I, I focus on bringing like things that I need that, I couldn't easily procure. Um, So that's the basis. Like, am I going to have sweatpants that I think are comfortable or whatever? But um, I think I do consider what I'm wearing. I don't want to wear anything too out there. Um, And this isn't to diminish anyone's style in DC, but um, I sometimes feel like in New York, we're so much in a bubble and the trends or the way people dress here or the things that are 
happening. I mean, I don't wear them, but these stupid Fila sneakers or whatever. So the trends that are happening here, everyone gets it and it's a language and it's shared, but I think you go outside the bubble and these things seem odd. So I try to just think about what will be practical, what will make sense for the places that I'm going, but I don't really bring anything trendy. Um, And in the case of going to this funeral, um, I wanted to look like myself. I didn't want to look like, you know, you always see in these movies like Sweet Home Alabama, and this might be my own um, narcissism or insecurity, but I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I moved to New York and I wear, you know, sunglasses all day and I'm a clacker. I just want to seem like the person that my friends always knew and that person shopped at Esprit and the limited and gap. Not that that's what I wear now, but I do think about it and it kind of takes me back. I mean, I regress when I'm at home um, and I get insecure and I don't want what I wear to be the thing that stands out about me and someone say, oh, look at her, look what she's wearing. Who does she think she is? Again, this is probably derived from narcissism. I don't think anyone was thinking about what I was wearing at a funeral, but you asked. <laughs> You're short. I'm short. I'm 5'1". I'm 5'2". And, and a half. I think that, I used to say I was 5'2". I don't really think I am. I think I'm probably a solid 5'1". But it's something that I've always been insecure about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I used to stuff my sneakers. I did the same. I stuffed my booth, boots I stuffed, with socks or paper towels or I stuffed my boots with socks when yeah. I was a teenager yeah. and my mother found them one day and I remember her freaking out and saying, you're going to ruin your feet. And I was like, no, I'm not. And we had this huge fight and she just didn't understand. My mom's not super tall, but she's definitely taller than me. And she did not, she just didn't understand. And I would buy, and I was young. I was probably 14 when I started doing that. And I knew the style then I grew up in New York. The style was not prissy. High heels were not something. Plus, you're 14. Yeah. So high heels were not yeah. something. I was into Timberlands. I was into sneakers. Right. I was very into Nike Hirachis. I wanted to wear shoes that didn't look girly. Yeah. But I was really, even at that age, I was really upset about being short. And I still am in my 30s. It's not something that I've come to terms with yet. I have stopped wearing crazy high heels during the day. I think that not only looks like I'm trying too hard, but it's not comfortable. And I'm wondering how, you know, as a petite woman, you are you insecure about it? And do you think about your height on the daily as you're getting dressed? I, um, I'm insecure about it in different ways. My husband's super tall. He's six foot four um, and he's lean. And, you know, when I was pregnant, I, I, was, I just felt like a blimp next to him. I mean, the scale was just all off. I'm not so insecure about it now in my day-to-day. Like, I mean, 10 years ago, I wouldn't go to work without heels on or I would bring my heels and put them on the second I got here. I don't do that anymore. I mean, I'll wear flats here. I don't care. I feel insecure, and I don't know if you feel this way, um, in front of a very tall woman. All of a sudden, I feel infantilized. And I think it's not fair to her because she probably feels too tall. I don't think about that. I think of the height as power. I perceive it as someone being more of an adult than I am or just having like, it's like I'm a chihuahua and they're, you know, something bigger and better. Like I'm immediately uh, thrown off my guard. But I recently had an experience where I was talking to a woman who is much shorter than I am and 
I felt, I put myself in her shoes and I felt uncomfortable for her and she looked fine. So again, I think this is all my stuff, but um, do you feel weird when there's like a six foot woman talking to you? Yes, I feel... I feel extremely self-conscious. I feel extremely envious because I believe, and I will die on this hill, I will. I really believe that women who, not even who are tall, who are taller, are taken more seriously in every aspect of of life. Of course. But I think that they really get ahead farther. I think they're taken more seriously at work. I think they're taken more seriously- men too. When they're trying to order a drink at the bar, just everything. And I feel in my career, I've been- I don't know that I would say as successful as I would like to be, but I certainly have had a nice amount of success and I've always sort of landed the job I wanted. I feel like I would be much, much, much farther, both where I am now and in future jobs if I was if I was tall. And I think it's a double-edged sword because in order to make myself tall, I have to teeter around in heels. Yeah. And that in itself but is sending- men don't have that privilege. I honestly think it's worse for men. My brother's very short. Um, He's like five, six and he doesn't, he can't wear heels. I mean, maybe he stuffs his shoes, but I don't think he does. I think it's a, I think it's much luckier to be a short girl than it yes. is to be a short boy. That I, I, or woman. I agree. Like, I think we're cute and, you know, look at Reese Witherspoon. Like, I think that there are more examples of plucky, um, ambitious, driven, short women. And then a man, if he's short and wants those things, he has a Napoleon complex. So I, I actually would prefer it for me. Um, and I've, I've learned to like elements of it. Like I, I have friends who are taller and I, I think that they really struggle with that as well. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that we ask everyone, kind of a speed round. Okay. So just answer the first thing that comes into your head, okay? What's the last thing you bought? I know I'm not supposed to say salad, but it was a salad. But before that, I bought, um, I'm trying to think of something sexy that I bought. What did I buy? Spindrift in cans. What because, flavor? Yellow Spindrift. Is that lemon? I think that's lemon. Lemon. Um, I decided that I wanted to be an adult who has cold to-go beverages. And I realized that's not the best environmental decision, but... I think that that's a step up for me. I'm I'm a tap water gal, but now I have a Spindrift to go, ice cold, really refreshing, three calories. Maybe Spindrift will come on and advertise for the show now. How do you fall asleep at night? Is there something specific that you do, a ritual that you have, a show you watch? I'm a really good sleeper. Um, I think that pillow placement is important. I'm a big pillow placement person. I put it between my knees, one behind my head, and I listen to rain sounds on my phone sometimes if I'm having difficulty. What was your first concert? Shania Twain. What would be your last meal on earth? Raw salmon by the fistful. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't prep these. (laughs) I would though. Raw salmon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. Next. Where are you going after this? Home. <laughs> You're going home? It's the middle of the day on a uh, Wednesday? Oh, I, after this, I'm going upstairs to make a phone call. Okay. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what I Wore When is a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio with new episodes dropping every Monday. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm your host, Glamour Digital Director, Perry Samatin. Follow me on Instagram at Perry Samatin. P-E-R-R-I-E-S-A-M-O-T-I-N. Our executive producer is Ali Perry, and our producers are Glamour's Kim Fasaro and iHeart's JJ Posway. What I Wore When is engineered by Emily Marinoff and Derek Clements. Special thanks to Julie Shen and Deanna Buckman at Condé Nast. For more information on today's episode, go to glamour.com slash what I wore when. 